Seated, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Church in the Valley. My name is Jonathan Rickert. In case you don't know me, I help out our service teams here at Church in the Valley. And we are just so thankful that you are joining us, whether that's here in person or online. We're just really glad that you are um, joining us this morning. So I just want to let you know about a couple of things coming up this summer that are really exciting and you should get onto your calendars. So let me go ahead and pull up my notes real here so I make sure and get all of those dates correct. So first of all, on Sunday, June 13th, so next week, we have our Parenting Roundtable. And what that is, is an opportunity for parents or people who are thinking about parents or upcoming parents just to get together with some men and women who have already launched their kid and really get some wisdom from them. So we are going to be providing light refreshments for that and childcare. So if you can go ahead and sign up on your connection card on the back there, there's a section for comments and prayers. You can go ahead and just put that on there that you would like to be a part of that and we'll get you down. Um, that's going to be from 4 to 6 again next week, June 13th. Now, if you would be willing to help us out by providing childcare, by coming and watching the kids, if you could let Stacy know, we would greatly appreciate it. That would be a great help for us. Now, after that uh, roundtable, we're going to be having a few more events this summer for um, parenting, and we'll let you know as the details come up for that. Now, we also are launching a young adult training this summer. And so to kick that off, we are going to have a cookout with some fun and information, and that's going to be Friday, June 18th, at 7 p.m. at Neil and Melinda Walker's house. So if you're a young adult and you would be interested in getting some more training, just learning how to really go about life and be successful in life, we really encourage you to put that on your calendar to come to that kickoff and really find out uh, about the training that we're gonna do and also about how to establish your life on a firm foundation, the foundation of Christ, so that you can have a truly successful and wonderful life. And then finally, as you guys may remember, we were going to have a volunteer appreciation, but because of everything with COVID, we had to put that off. So we now have a date for you to mark on your calendars, and that's August 14th. That's a Saturday. So mark on your calendars, August 14th. We are going to be having our volunteer appreciation. Then we'll get you more information as that comes about, but make sure and put that on your calendar so you don't miss it. Now, if you're looking for the lyrics for this morning or you're looking for your connection card, you can either get a physical copy over here at the name tag table or you can also go online at www.civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. So you can find that there. Now, after service, you can take your connection card, you can take your offering or just any... Um, any of that, and you can stick that in the offering bucket. There's a couple of places around here. You can put the pens in there as well. And again, those are both online and physical. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll continue worshiping this morning. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you that we can establish our lives on your love, that it is a firm foundation that we won't be shaken on, Lord. I, I just pray, I, I know some people had a great week and some people had a horrible week. 
Some people have deadlines coming up or, or just fun, exciting things. No matter what's going on in our lives, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to put those aside right now, to just be able to focus on you and your word. I pray that you'd really open up our hearts, and that as we hear from Dr. John Taylor this morning, that you would really just change our lives and that we would just rest ourselves in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys will stand with us, we'll continue singing.
have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring Father, um, God, I just thank you so much um, that you have promised to, as we lean into you, um, bring new wine out of us, God. Um, I pray that your Holy Spirit would would just dwell in us, that we could be a vessel for your word, um, that others may come to know you and uh, worship and follow you, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, let's welcome up. Dr. John Taylor, thank you. All right, thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Welcome, everybody. It's great to be here again and to worship together. Oh. Yeah, so thanks for the introduction. Uh, so my name is John. Feel free to just call me John, or don't have to give me a t any kind of title. So um, just another guy, another bloke. So uh, any, uh, that's fine. I just, you know, what do they say? Uh, you know, you can call me Dr. Taylor if you want. John, I don't mind what you call me, just call me. All right. But uh, just happy to be with you this morning and, and be together with the people of God, praising the Lord and in his presence. So we'll just get uh, right into our key passage this morning, which is Philippians 3, verse 13. I'm going to extend the reading one extra verse than what's on your notes, uh, just to go to verse, chapter 4, verse 1. So we're going to read uh, those verses before we do anything else. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from we, it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to, to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. One of my spiritual heroes died uh, this week, this past week. His name was Floyd McClung. He's from Southern California. And uh, he was uh, a mission leader. Uh, and in my early years in, in Youth with a Mission, YOM, I was uh, influenced a lot by him. And in fact, I met him before I ever joined, went into missions. But uh, 
He passed away this week, and I was reminded of one of his messengers that had most impact on me, and that was talking about how to finish well. So many people in the Bible start well. There are about a hundred biographies in the Bible, long or short, out of which those, about the, out of those hundred, only about 35 of them actually finish their life well. And, and so how do you make sure that you're one of the finishers and not just a beginner, not just someone who starts, but someone who finishes well? His message, Floyd's message, was really challenging people who've been believers, perhaps for a while, not to plateau, not to lose their impetus, but to finish well. And that message still resonates with me. Now, do you ever feel that you are on a spiritual plateau, not making progress, but standing still, or are you even sliding backwards? Did you make a good start with Jesus, but are now wavering or just stagnated? And in this passage, and in fact, in the whole book of Philippians, Paul talks about how to stand strong in the Lord and how to grow in the Lord. It turns out that the key to standing firm in the Lord is not to stand still, but to keep growing. Right? The key to standing firm in the Lord is not to stand still, but to keep growing. We're going to show you this in the, in the passage in a minute. And the key to growing in the Lord is, wait for it, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. It's on the title of, of your notes. The key to growing is, wait for it, imitation. Yep, that's a copying others who are living the kind of life we need to be living. It's as easy as that. In fact, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. The key in this growth and to continued pressing on in, in the Lord and not to stagnate, not to stand still, is something else who's going the right path. You can teach distance, but you cannot disciple from a distance. You can teach from a distance, but you cannot disciple from a distance because growing disciples needs both teaching information and lived examples. Discipleship needs more than just teaching. It needs a living example. There's other things involved in discipleship, but at least those two. Imitation, by the way, is one of the fundamental ways that we all learn. We know this, of course. It's kind of obvious in life. How do children learn? They learn largely by imitation. Yes, other ways as well. They learn by experience. They learn by instruction. They learn by reinforcement, positive and negative. They learn by discipline. And they learn through experiencing consequences to actions. When they do this, it goes well. And they do, do, do the other thing, it doesn't, it hurts or so on, right? But imitation is one of the fundamental ways that children learn. Now, I used to do a lot of worship leading with my guitar and... Uh, and so when we lived in London, we were in a church there, and I was leading worship, and I had my, at the stage at the front, something like this, and I had my guitar, and our youngest son was, uh, he's only a toddler, but he loved his music, 
and uh, he had a little ukulele, you know, which wasn't in tune, it was totally just a little cheap kid's ukulele. And uh, so whenever I was up there leading worship, he would just get out of his seat, he'd grab his ukulele in church, he'd come up to the front, stand right in front of me, just stand right there and just copying me strumming on his little ukulele. Now, because he was literally mirroring me, he was doing it left-handed, even though he's right-handed, and I'm right-handed. So he's just copying his daddy, and, and now, he's a, now he's a musician, of course, and, and uh, in his, uh, that's his pr profession. But uh, it was one of those things where he just, it, just, it was in him to copy his dad, and, uh, and he did it. He literally mirrored me in the way he did it with his little ukulele. That's how we learn much of the time. In Mark chapter 3, 14 and 15, we, we read this. Jesus, when he's calling his disciples, it says, He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. The first call of the disciples is witness, to be with Jesus, and then to be sent out to preach and to cast out demons. And those were the things that Jesus was already doing. And so he's sending them out to do the same things that he is doing. And of course, they can do that because they've seen him doing it. And they are, as they are with him, they're learning his ways, they're learning his practices, they're learning his life, then they go out and represent him in the world, preaching and casting out demons in this particular case. That's how we are meant to be discipled, meant, how, meant, meant to grow, meant to, to learn. Those of you who are involved in any kind of management will know the steps of delegation. What, is the, what are the basic steps of delegation? Number one, I do it. Number two, I do it, you watch. Number three, you do it, I watch. And number four, you do it. That's basically delegation, right? Want that again? Number one, I do it. Number two, I do it, you watch. Number three, you do it, I watch. Number four, you do it. That's delegation. So often, by the way, in companies and institutions and all sorts of places, the, one, the step that's missed is the one where you do it, I watch. Uh, but we learn by modeling. We learn by imitation. Now, this passage we're looking at this morning is coming out of the book of Philippians. And uh, just a f I want to mention a few things about Philippians. And if you have never read the book of Philippians, you know, don't, don't do anything else after you get home today. Just get out your Bible and read Philippians. <laughs> All right. It's absolutely brilliant. And it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in what is now the northern part of Greece. In those days was the province of a Roman Empire called Macedonia. And this was a city that had been uh, taken over by, or actually built by the Romans when they took over Greece and Macedonia and they built it as a, as a Roman colony. That means whenever they colonized a place, they started, they built cities in the image of Rome to represent Rome in that country. So they built a little Rome in the northern part of Greece, in Macedonia, and they built another one in the south, in Corinth. 
and uh, so they, they Roman architecture, you know, and, and they and they filled it with Roman uh, old Roman soldiers who, in their retirement, you know, they'd give them land there. There was their little Rome, but and, and so it was a place of privilege for those who are Roman citizens, and a place of privilege for those who had connections to the ruling authorities, to the powers, to the colonial rulers. How is the church then going to make out in this to relationships between leaders and uh, you know maybe it's the folk it's focused on some issue that they disagree on but it, it's always a relationship issue and that's what's happening in Philip in Philippi as well we see that in chapter 4 lots of interesting things going on what are then the themes that Paul brings to this letter the first one uh, perhaps that's kind of obvious to most people when they look at Philippians is he keeps talking about joy or rejoicing. This is a huge theme in, in the letter. Another one would be unity, you know, get it together, stay together in the face. So you overcome your inter internal conflicts, you stand together against the in external pressure. Uh, and, and another key theme is missions and evangelism. If you're looking for a place in the letters of Paul that talks the most about evangelism and missions and witness, this is it. Read Philippians. And, uh, and so that's the goal, right? We're going to reach Philippi. We're going to reach the world. You've got to do it together. And what's it going to take to, do, to, to be successful in that mission? And the fourth theme I want to mention in Philippians, and this one that's going to come up today in the rest of our discussion is this sacrifice and the theme of sacrifice so another way to put that is selflessness self-denial laying down your life and right through the book Paul gathers examples of those who are living the right kind of life and he puts those examples before the Philippians he says here they are look at this look at this look at this and, and of course, the number one example is, guess who? Sunday school answer, everybody says? Jesus, right? Absolutely. It's about the right answer to, to nearly every question, right? And so that's the number one example that he puts forward in Philippians in chapter 2. Let's read this. Uh, Jesus, the number one example of humility, sacrifice, and service, starting in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind <coughs> among yourselves. Or literally from the Greek here, think this way. Or think this 
among you, which he says, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The way you have to, the attitude you have to have, he said, is selflessness, self-denial, counting others more important than yourself, not get, getting rid of selfish ambition and conceit, not just looking out for your own stuff, but looking out for others. And he says, this attitude have among you, and guess what? It's, it's in Christ that that, because he's going to show in the next few verses how that worked out in Christ's own life, that he was the number one example of humility and sacrifice and service to others. Verse 6, Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be taken advantage of, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in humanity, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Jesus. He humbled himself, became a man, became a servant, humbled, and even to the point of death. This is the Lord of all, becomes a servant and a slave of all. The one who gives life, be, comes to a life and uh, endures death. And in verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only when I'm present, but in much more absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is the one who's working in you, both the willing and the working for his good pleasure. In other words, Paul is saying, here's the example I'm setting you before you. Live this way. Think this way. Have this mindset of self-denial, sacrifice, humility, laying down your life for another, for other people. Look at Jesus. That's exactly what he did. That's the number one example. In uh, just a moment. In the very next uh, passage, well, starting in verse 19, through to the end of the chapter, Paul sets forth two other people who, whose examples he wants to take note of. The first one is Timothy, who's Paul, like Paul's sidekick. He's also an apostle, but he's a, he works with and under Paul. He sets them forward as examples of love and selflessness. This is what he says in verse nine, from verse 19 onwards. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered up by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Wow, that's Timothy. Unselfish genuinely concerned for other people. Isn't that, by the way, isn't it amazing when you find people who are genuinely concerned for, the, for your welfare? And, uh, and so be like that, right? Be like Timothy. Uh, and then in, from verse 25 onwards, he talks about uh, Epaphroditus, who was from Philippi and had uh, come uh, to Paul, carrying uh, the contribution to Paul's ministry from the Philippian church. 
And it says about him that Paul's going to send him back to Philippi as well. And Paul's writing this probably from Rome. So he's in Italy writing to Greece, basically. And uh, I say, Paul says, Receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, verse 29 and 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus is a, a willing sacrificial servant. Two examples then, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And, and then Paul also puts himself forward as an example. By the way, he seems to be quite confident to do this. Uh, in chapter 1, he sets himself forward as an example there uh, of the way that he's living despite what's... He's, by the way, he's writing from prison. Uh, he's in prison for preaching the gospel and, uh, and, and, and so he is uh, on trial for his life and uh, he's, he's basically saying, I'm, I'm still going to rejoice and I'm, I'm, this is an opportunity for the gospel and uh, God is using this and he's setting that example. His sacrifice is worth it. And then in chapter 3, again, he sets himself forward as an example, and this is in the face of, of, of kind of false teaching, and uh, this is where we're kind of heading toward the passage again. He, sa he says, in, and then I want to mention also chapter 4. And in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, we read this. Finally, brothers... Chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? What should fill our mind? Good stuff. And then he says in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So, verse 8, Think these good things. Verse 9, do these good things. So you need to think and do the right thing. But how do you, how do you, how do, you do it? What, how do you go about that? Well, look at what Paul has taught you. Listen to what he's said, what he's get, receive what he's given, and live the way he lives. Right? So, so Paul is the Philippian church's original teacher and apostle, along with Timothy and Silas, and he speaks to the Philippians in verse 9 about four ways they received from Paul. Number one, they learned from him. He, he, that was his disciple. And the word for learn here, the Greek word manthano, it's a related verb for the noun mathetes, disciple. So it's the idea is they were discipled by him or taught by him. So they were taught by him. And by the way, a word disciple in the New Testament really means like a student. And so, uh, you know, those of you who were who studying for degrees when you thought you st you'd stop being a student, when you finally graduated, sorry, you're going to be a student the rest of your life, a student of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they learned from him. Number two, they received from him. Look at that in, verse, in Philippians 4, 9. That means he gave them something. And this word in the Greek, paralambano, it's the Greek word that Paul uses particularly for the passing on to others of the key traditions and beliefs of the church. 
the things that would come down from Jesus himself, the things uh, that were crucial to who the church is, the truth that must not be let go of. He passes it on to others. And so he gave that to them. It's a gift. And then they heard from him. He taught and spoke. And, and they heard. They get to listen. And then number four, and this is an interesting one for today, they, what they saw in him, that's what they should practice. He lived life in front of them. And all these are important, learning, receiving, hearing, and seeing. But seeing is the one that helps people themselves visualize and comprehend what is being taught, what is being given, and what is being said. So practice what Paul says, practice, I'm still practicing by the way, practice what Paul said, these things, and, and, and practice what he did. In other words, follow his teaching and imitate his life. That's what he's saying. And finally he says, and God will be with you. Wow. So now we're just about up to our passage that we kind of, kind of started with. Right before our passage, which we started reading in Philippians 3.13, in verse 10 to 12, Paul talks about his goal in life. He says, I want to know him, that is Jesus, and I want to know the power of his resurrection that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfected, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's Paul's goal. And he, this is a man who's facing death, living for the resurrection. He's living, looking forward to the resurrection of the body, and he wants to make it through there, and he's prepared to share the suffering of Christ in order to also to share the resurrection of Christ. Verse 13 is where we are, our passage for today starts. I don't consider that I have made it, he says. I haven't, I haven't made it yet. I'm not fully there where I should be. I haven't made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and stretching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, let those of us who are mature think the same way. All right, well, we read this passage already. The context then is this, that resurrection is the goal. The resurrection to come, of course, and the power of the resurrection already now in our own lives. Following Christ to the cross and to the resurrection, becoming like him in life and in death. That's the goal. But how do we get there? And in verse 13 to 16, Paul's saying, basically, grow like me. Grow like me. I don't consider that I've made up my own, he says, but I stretch forward towards the prize of the upward... And by the way, this phrase, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, another way of talking about the resurrection. And he says, now he gets finally in verse 15, he says, well, how do you do that? This is what we get to, verse 15, that those of us who are mature... Think this way. In other words, have the same attitude as Paul. What's his attitude? 
leaving the other things behind, stretching forward to what lies ahead. Prepared, looking to the resurrection, prepared to suffer all for Christ in order to gain all with Christ. His attitude. That's the mature attitude. And uh, that little word, standard version text here, but there's a little word in the Greek here at the start of verse 15, un, which means therefore. It's a concluding thought to what he just said. I'm leaving these things behind. I'm stretching forward lies ahead. Therefore, let all of us, is really what he's saying, think this way. So it's a mindset of growth, of keeping on growing, not stagnating. Not stagnating or declining. And he has a qualification in, in the next part of the next verse. Only let us hold true to what we have attained, you know, and don't lose what we've already learned and practiced in the desire for the next thing we, we, we're learning. Make sure we keep those. Things. In other words, growth means building upon one thing upon the other. And not, you know, we don't know oh, this week, this, this year we're going to be into uh, prayer. Next year we'll forget prayer and do evangelism. It's not like that, right? We need to build upon the things that we've already learned in the Lord. Build upon the build. Let us hold fast. Keep a standard, if you like. Or, uh, and this is the application. But have, we've, it, it, grow like Paul. Having this kind of thinking. Imitate his attitude is what we're talking about. And in verse 17, he says to them, if, that, if you wasn't already clear, he says it in a different way. He says, brothers, join together in being imitators of me. That's a pretty bold statement. I don't know how many of you would like to be able to say that to people. Hey, imitate me. Follow me. Whoa. But the interesting thing is that imitation is a group activity. Right? It's a team sport. It's not just be imitators of me. It's be joint or together imitators of me. That's a key little word there. It's quite interesting. Imitation is a team sport. It's, it's a joint activity. It's something we do together. If you're going to grow in the Lord, you need to get with a gang of people who are following Christ and find and, and imitate Christ and those who are following Christ ahead of you. That's as simple as that. Join the right gang, follow the right gang leader. Amen? That's basically it. You join the right gang and you follow the right gang leader as we're all following Jesus. I'm, I'm, I don't know if anybody's ever called Jesus a gang leader before, but I'm sorry. But uh, I think you get the point. Now, we're imitating Paul. But, and look, the Philippians have met Paul. They know him. They've seen him. So they can imitate his life as they remember it and as he recounts it in his letter. But he get his, the next line in the text is something equally important because we can, imitate, we can imitate Paul from a distance by reading about him in the letter and, and doing, practicing his way of life. Fine. But we need an example closer to hand, closer to home. He says, and... Look for those who are walking just in this way. He says, look for those who are walking in this way just as you have us for a model or for an example. 
or in the ESV as we read, keep your eyes on those who are walking according to the world you have in us. In other words, he's saying, join together and imitate me. But guess what? Look for examples closer to home. Look for people who are walking the same way that I'm walking, the way that Jesus went first. Look for people and follow them. I mean, I don't know if you haven't even noticed that that was in the Bible, but it's telling you to look for nearby examples, people who, you, who are walking the way of the Lord and just follow their example. That's really, that, that's the way, the, the way that Paul taught, the way that Jesus lived. That's, we're looking for people doing that. So what areas of your life and faith need growth. Where, what areas are you weak in? All right? You don't have to answer right now. That's okay. But uh, think about that for a minute. And if you're not sure about that, ask yourself this. What would people who know me well say are the areas I really need growth in? Husband, your wife, your friends, your family, co-workers. You know, what would they, if someone was to ask them, you know, where do you need growth in? What are your weak points? Pretty much they know. By the way, that's the reason why usually if you confess sin to, to people who know you and you're worried about what they're going to think of you about what you did, when you confess it, they're not surprised because they already know. <laughs> right? It, 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 well. And so there's no, re no reason uh, not. And, and so... What examples and models should we look for? Well, those, Paul says, who walking, living, according to the example you have in us. We need, and by the way, no matter how old we are, how experienced we already are, to look for examples so that we can keep growing. So that we can keep growing. Oh, by the way, of course, it also means we need to be examples. But listen, influence how much influence do you have as a person depends largely on the example of your life, on the example of your life. And that's going to be how much authority you have in your life, spiritual authority, how much influence you have in the world is largely through your example. And uh, we, we know this. But we need to look for those who are living the right way. Yep, might be, have to be proactive in finding the right examples. Go find someone. And, uh, and, and, and follow their example. Now, verse 18 and 19, Paul says why we should look for examples close to home. Why should we look for all these examples and follow their example? Why do we need to do that? Verse 18 and 19. Now, the first word in verse 18, look at that, is for. And it gives you the reason for verse 17. Verse 17, look for examples. Verse 18 for, he says, why? Many of whom I've often told you and now tell you again, even with tears, are walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. They're, they're living, if you like, as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory and their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Here's the problem. We need lots of examples. Why? Because there are so many counter examples. We need examples of people going Jesus' way. Why? Because there are so many counter-examples around us. Just so many going the wrong way. 
Who are you imitating already? When I'm saying look for someone to imitate, I'm saying here that Paul's saying, it's not just me, it's what Paul's saying, what the Bible says. I'm saying that that's how we live. We, we are usually imitating somebody. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes it's unreflectively. But we need to find those deliberately, intentionally, whose lives we're going to follow and follow them. Because if we're not, we're already imitating somebody unreflectively, unthoughtfully, if you like, accidentally. It's amazing, by the way, how many people who just want to be themselves end up looking and acting just like a whole bunch of other people also trying to be themselves, apparently. It's because they do it by imitation. Imitation, of course, happens intentionally and of young preachers came out of this Bible college leaning on the pulpit. Uh, it turns out, however, that the reason that he leant on the pulpit was because he had a, a, a physical disability uh, with one leg shorter than the other and so on. And he had to lean on the pulpit for stability. The others out there who were following example uh, were perfectly proportional. They didn't need to do that. He needed to. They just followed his example, pulpit, uh, a generation of pulpit-leaning preachers. And so that's what happens. We follow people's example unreflectively, we're going to often go the wrong way because we're following, the, we're going, or we're doing sometimes accidentally follow someone good, but often accidentally follow the many who are going the wrong way, who are enemies. They're walking the wrong direction. They're, they're enemies of the cross and their God is their belly and their end is destruction. What example are you setting? If people were to spend time with you, would they get more excited about or interested in Jesus by the end of their time with you? Because we tend to enthuse people about what we're enthusiastic about, right? What example are you setting if people was going to spend time with you? So why should we look for examples? Because there are so many counterexamples. And number two, why should we look for examples? Because... We have a different destiny. We have a different citizenship, a different hope, right? Verse 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to his like his glorious body. Resurrection again. If we follow people, we get to the same destination. We get to wherever they're going. Who are you following? And what if they're lost too? Jesus said, Well, in, in Matthew's gospel, he talks about this. Uh, 
you give me your heart, just look at Peter Bruegel's famous painting from 1568 of the, of the blind leading the blind. And they, 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 they illustrate Verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, he says, stand firm like this in the Lord, my beloved. This is how you stand firm. How do you do it? By keeping on growing. And how do you keep growing? By intentionally following the example of Jesus and then of Paul and then of those of us near to you who are living the way of Christ. There's more to was a young Australian man called Peter Fitzgerald who was actually in prison but he, he, and, and, and he was in trouble he'd been doing uh, uh, stuff and drugs and, and so on and Peter got converted along with his wife and uh, ended up joining this ministry and reaching other disaffected western travelers who were looking for drugs and eastern religion and things and, and, and ministered and Peter then followed Floyd and, and so ministered in Delhi and Kathmandu and there was a young Australian, another Australian couple who went overseas from, from Melbourne, from where I grew up, who were hippie travelers. And they went through them. They traveled from London to Amsterdam across the hippie, tr where, they, where they, in those days you could, you could drive a VW com a van all the way through Afghanistan. And, and, and they were out there and they, they did this whole trip looking for reality, looking for whatever, getting all things they shouldn't. And, and they and they met Peter and his team in Delhi spent a year in Kathmandu getting a discipled in Nepal and came back to Melbourne and went to the liberal church that I was growing up in the church that they'd started off in a young couple not married living together they had met Jesus got married got baptized got discipled came back and started took over took over the youth group in my church uh, of a very liberal church and they, where they didn't believe the gospel and they, they've properly shrunk the youth group down because it was a big social club, a, a dating game and they made it into a Bible study. But there were some people and a whole bunch of us actually got converted largely through Bert and Hillary's, uh, this young couple's ministry. I came to Christ and, and when I came to Christ, I'd, I'd be, I, by that time I'd become an atheist in my teenage years and I was really anti, but they through them and through God speaking to me, I met the Lord. And when the thing I did was I went, I didn't know how to be a Christian. What does it mean to be one? What does it mean to live like one? And so I just hang out at my friend's house as often as I could. I just went down to their place and I hung out, hung out and watched them live, watched them live, watched them live and spent time with them. By the way, if you want to be a youth leader, a youth pastor, availability is your key thing, right? You've got to be there. You've got to be with them. That's pretty much the same for anybody who's doing any kind of discipleship. You've got to be visible. You've got to be accessible. You've got to be available you, because you've got to lead by example. So Floyd brought 
Peter Fitzgerald to Christ, who brought Bert Pratt to Christ, who largely brought John Taylor to Christ. And, uh, and so I've been thinking about those examples this week as, as I'm looking back at the life of this man, Floyd McClung. Look for examples, get close to them, and follow the example intentionally, the way of Christ, the way of Paul, the way of the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, We want to be those who walk the way of Christ, who walking, going forward, stretching forward to what come, is there ahead, leaving what's behind. Thank you for, for Jesus, your own son, who gave up everything, went even to death and into resurrection. Thank you for people like Paul, and we can read his letters. Thank you for men like Floyd and his wife Sally, for Peter and Kate, for Bert and Hillary that I think about who influence me. Father, let us find the examples close to home and intentionally, deliberately keep on growing so we don't slide backwards, so we attain the resurrection. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Um continue worshiping um we're just going to take some time to reflect so um if you are more comfortable sitting or standing um that's completely fine just do whatever um you need to do to reflect on the message and to to thank god this morning
Show us your glory. 